The sequel cast airs Wednesdays, 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific Time on Cascadia.fm online internet streaming radio you can also download episodes of the sequel cast from www.sequelcast.com um they kiss and then but then they're attacked again and she's yeah she's killed there was a podcast called the sequel cast they talked about movies and they talked about something else called boobies it's the sequel cast. It's the sequel cast. It's the sequel cast. www.sequelcast.com. Hello and welcome to the sequel cast. This is a podcast where we talk about movies, one film at a time in a franchise. We are in the middle of covering the uh, Rambo series of films with the second film in the series entitled Rambo. First Blood, Part Two. That's not a confusing title at all. Uh, with the sequel cast, you can visit our website at www.sequelcast.com. Send us an email at sequelcast at gmail.com, or check out the Twitter feed at twitter.com/sequelcast. This is your host, Uncle Milkshake. With me is Thrasher. Howdy. And we should have a Jersey Jason joining us later in the episode. Now, Rambo, First Blood, Part Two. Uh, this one is directed by George P. Cosmatos, although it allegedly was um, really directed by Sylvester Stallone, although Stallone has never said that. It was referred to in an interview with Kurt Russell, of all things. Uh, the script is by Sylvester Stallone and James Cameron, of all people, from a story by Kevin Jerry. Well, I love that you sound disbelieving with everything you've said so far. The thing about Sylvester Stallone really directing Rambo First Blood Part 2 is sort of a... It's not something that Stallone said himself. Yeah, but Rambo First Blood Part 2, I would say it's definitely more of a uh, uh, action gun uh, shoot 'em up movie than First Blood. As you might recall, First Blood ended with uh, Rambo being talked down by his mentor, Colonel Troutman, after Rambo had shot up a bunch of uh, buildings in a small town in the uh, United States. And at the end of First Blood, Rambo gets talked down by his mentor, Colonel Troutman, and he gets uh, goes to jail, gets arrested for property damage and possibly for killing multiple one person. Murders. Well, multiple maimings. Uh, yeah. Refusing, resisting arrest, all those things. Disorderly conduct. Walking back into a town over a bridge when the uh, head police officer told you not to walk into town. All sorts of charges against Rambo. So Rambo First Blood Part 2 opens with uh, Rambo not in prison exactly, but he's sort of doing hard time. He's chipping away at stones. That's, that is such a classic image. It's like straight out of an old black and white film. How do we indicate people are in prison? Have them breaking rocks with hammers. Well, it's either you do that or you have, you know, Troutman walk into a maximum security prison and find Rambo in a solitary confinement cell. But, you know, there'd be that long walk down the corridor, and there'd be that one guy playing the harmonica. <laughs> yeah, but uh, with the intro, it's very brief. Uh, Troutman goes up to Rambo and tells him, uh, we have a secret mission for you. I believe it's the, um, I forget if it's the CAA that puts him in the mission or not. 
but he is given a mission that has to do with the rumors of uh, American POW still being in Vietnam. But he is told, he uh, goes to a military base, and he's told if he does this mission, he'll get free from prison and given full clemency. But Rambo meets a character called Marshall Murdoch, played by Charles Napier, and Charles oh, Napier... Charles Napier is good in anything. Yeah, he uh, was in Silence of the Lambs, was another thing he was in. Yeah, he was a guard. He played Duke Phillips on The Critic. He was one of the space hippies in the original Star Trek series. I forgot he was Duke Phillips. That's the uh, Ted Turner sort of takeoff mm-hmm. mustachioed character from The Critic. What a good cartoon. I mean, he's an amazingly funny man, but he always gets he always gets put in these like tough guy commander police chief sort of roles. Well, and it's interesting as a tough guy commander in this. Again, you have sort of like an older person that's a bit stocky, with a, you know, like gray hair as the bad guy, sort of like how Brian Dennehy was in First Blood. Although you have more than one villain in this picture, but that's sort of an interesting parallel. But the mission Rambo was given is that. There are American POWs in Vietnam. He's going to a certain place. And uh, if he sees them, he is told only to photograph them, not to rescue them, and not to not to kill anyone, not to engage in any enemy soldiers. So that, from the start, I think is kind of a humorous premise. Because although Rambo didn't kill people in First Blood, he maimed a lot of people. You know, he's a man capable of great violence. You know, he was a well-decorated soldier in Vietnam. So giving him putting him on a mission where he's told you're just supposed to take photos and not rescue Vietnam vets, uh, POWs, if you see them. Yeah, we, like, you'd think that, like, he'd be, a t- he'd be just scouting and he'd be part of an attached team that could, that could, that could you know, pull a rescue mission. Unless, of course, you know, Murdoch's long-term plan was to take those pictures to the International War Crimes Tribunal in The Hague or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of unclear. They say they picked Rambo because he's one of the top three men for the job. But, I mean, this is a man that got several things that served prison time for, you know, not adjusting well when he comes back to the United States. And granted, he's messed with first in that town in First Blood. But, like, this is one of your best people. But later in the movie, they do explain he's really decorated and they have a full listing of all the... uh... Let's take a look here. It has a full listing... Of his career, it said he was in the Special Forces, cross-trained as a medic, he knows how to fly a helicopter, 59 confirmed kills in Nam, four Purple Hearts, Congressional Medal of Honor. So he had quite the history in Vietnam. So I guess that's why they free him from jail. But, I mean, do you think that sort of funny thrasher that he's told just to photograph, do you think that's meant as a joke? Well, I guess I don't think it's been as a joke, but like in a in a movie like this, you know that's not going to happen. A movie like this, oh sure, they'll send him to photograph, but asses will be thoroughly and consistently kicked. I mean, it, it is a it's a, the mission that goes wrong is a classic story, and a, a and and the mission that goes wrong is a wonderful twist to have in any mission based story. But this whole you gotta photo take some photographs. It's it's like they're not even trying. Yeah, and uh, I mean you do have some plot twist in here. So right off the bat, he is sent in a helicopter, and they fly over the part of Vietnam they want him to investigate. And he has you know you have a famous montage sequence where Rambo puts on his red bandana, loads his weapon, 
And in fact, one thing I forgot to mention earlier is Rambo First Blood Part 2, in a way, is like Friday the 13th uh, 3. Was that one just 3D, the third one? I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, actually, uh, keep. I'll try to verify that. Keep going on okay, that. Okay, but in any hell, with the Friday the 13th, uh, the third one, that's the movie where Jason Voorhees gets his hockey mask. That's where you have all the, the you know, the first iconographic yeah. of the character. Was it 3D or just part three? No, no, I'm just, I'm just oh, agreeing I'm with you. <laughs> right, and so in Rambo First Blood Part Two, he runs around a lot of the movie with his shirt off. He has a red bandana tied across his head, and he's carrying heavy weaponry, and he has explosive bows and arrows. And those are images people associate with uh, Rambo, the uh, the film character, at least. Yeah, it was just Friday the 13th Part 3. But no, you're right. I, I think everything that most people know about Rambo comes from First Blood Part 2 and not First Blood. Uh, you know, Growing up in the uh, 80s, as I did... You know, this uh, this movie, Rambo First Blood Part Two, I just saw it so thoroughly parodied all the way up up into the nineties. It's parodied in Weird Al Yankovic's UHF, which I believe we talked about last episode. It's uh, parodied in the Hot Shots films. In Gremlins Two, there's this extensive sequence where where Gizmo sees a clip from Rambo First Blood Part Two. And then puts on a bandana and makes explosive bows and arrows and goes after the the gremlins just like Rambo goes after the, the Viet Cong in this film. Yeah, in fact, that scene from Gremlins 2 was probably the first time I saw anything Rambo-related. I mean, I, I grew up in the 80s, you know, like you, Thrasher, but I didn't see these Rambo movies until I was in high school. So You didn't grow up like me. But no, continue. I, sure, I lived overseas for a lot of the 80s. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I was still aware of what Rambo was and all these things, so... Well, let's talk about that Rambo like suiting up sequence. That may very well be the 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 the, the Rambo series' most iconic image of Rambo strapping on the ammo belts and putting the black under his eyes and tying up the bandana. I have seen that reenacted and parodied in so many ways over the years. I mean, that's a scene that really did and still does stick with the mind of the audience. Well, I mean, it's not just parodied. It's also copied shot for shot. And who knows, maybe Rambo First Blood Part Two might have ripped it off another film. But, I mean, it's a lot of extreme close-ups of Rambo getting ready, a lot of, like, harsh light on him. He's, like, heavily sweating the entire time. You have the sweat glistening on the skin. You know, back in college, I'd actually wanted to do a, a short... There was a short film I'd planned to do, but sadly uh, it, it did not come to pass where a key part of the film was actually going to be a character sort of stepping into a spotlight and doing the whole Rambo gearing up. Uh, but, like, all, it would be all these extreme close-ups, and he would actually be doing a lot with, like, the black smudgings. But it wasn't until the camera finally pulled up and you see what he was doing, it was going to be a guy applying Groucho Marx makeup. <laughs> it's a pretty good joke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot you can do with that concept, and like you mentioned, Hot Shots made fun of it, too. Although, I I know they do in Hot Shots Part 2. I, we haven't, I haven't seen those in a while. Those would be fun to do on the show at some other point. Oh, um, yeah. So, he suits up, and he gets ready to go into Vietnam. He's being, you know, he packs all the stuff in his parachute. As he's getting ready to parachute out, his uh, backpack gets stuck on part of the helicopter, and he's going to be uh, chopped up by the blades. So he has to break out his knife and cut himself loose. You know, right there, I actually need to take issue with this film. 
Uh, I actually used to have, uh, back, uh, I think I was in uh, fourth grade, I had this really great uh, science teacher. I believe his name was Mr. Nelson. That was what we called him. I'm sure he had born a full name, but but he was actually uh, he was actually in the army and actually had some experience as as a paratrooper. This is of course before he he had left and become a science teacher. And we uh, while talking about World War II, we actually talked about a lot of military hardware and cutting yourself out of a parachute actually got brought up and he flat out said that is one of the first things they tell you not to do when you're getting your training you never cut yourself out of a parachute because apparently like the cords that attach the uh i'm sure there's a special name for them but the the cords that attach the silk to the rest of the parachute backpack they're made up of just tightly bound and woven cords if you cut them, those cords just split, and you get an even more big, tangled mess. And it just takes forever. Oh, see, see that that one was on your side. Yeah. Uh, and it just takes forever to cut out. And the thing is, uh, parachutes for, for decades have had, like, a quick release. So you can just pull, like, two straps, and you can be out of the parachute. So that, so it just takes care of the problem. Now, I'm sure in the film they figured, you know, oh, it's more dramatic if he has to cut his way out. But in reality, all he has to do is just pull the quick release, and then he's out of the parachute. Right. It could, you know, it, it's possible I could be misremembering it. He might uh, cut the backpack loose and then just be stuck with his parachute. That makes a bit more sense. But um, at any rate, he doesn't have a lot of equipment with him. He just has a uh, bow and arrow and his knife, his knife on him. But he meets the contact in Vietnam he's supposed to meet up, who was a girl named Cobal, played by Julia Nixon. And, um... She's supposed to be Vietnamese, but the actress that plays her is um, half uh, half white, half uh, Chinese, which is mm-hmm. fine, but she doesn't have very strong Asian features, and it just makes it tough to buy that the character is supposed to be native from Vietnam. Yeah, that that kind of that kind of casting, you know, really does still still happen to this day. And she is I mean, part Asian. I'm not saying they cast a completely white person either. And this was in the mid '80s. Oh, I, I know, but the, but but like you know, they, there probably are plenty of actors and actresses uh, of you know more di- of direct Vietnamese ancestry, you know, that they could have cast in the role. I actually had never seen this one. I saw the first First Blood. And I saw the third one in the theater. I guess I'm asking, did you watch this episode, this movie for the show, or have you seen it before? Yes. Oh, okay. Because uh, Will wasn't able to, but he's seen it before, or seen parts of it. I'd never actually seen it before. I did watch it. I didn't get everything. I only got, like, sections. Yeah. But I know the part you're talking about. Yeah, I haven't seen it since the 80s. Okay, cool. Well, see, that brings a new spin to it. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also it's a complete reversal of Bride of Reanimator. <laughs> that uh, Bride of Reanimator, uh, listeners, is an episode we did in which uh, Thrasher saw the movie. I did not, and I don't think uh, Jason did either. But Jason had seen it before, unlike me. So I was. Real... It's episode thirteen. If you want to download it, thirteen. How appropriate. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, back to uh, first. Rambo, First Blood Part 2. I can't even get the First title Blood right. Part this two. is Part 2. This is Part 2 of the sequel cast episode for Rambo, Rambo First Blood Part 2, which is why, <laughs> since we're talking about the elderly, you should be calling in about pets. 
But like it was it was like formerly known, I guess, as Rambo. It was known sure. as like Rambo because the other one before is known as First Blood. Yeah, well, I mean, even the not known as guys... Rambo, even though this is Rambo Two, uh-huh. we call it Rambo. And confusingly, the fourth film is just called Rambo. But, I mean, yeah. the poster yeah. for Rambo First Blood Part 2 has Rambo in huge letters and then First Blood Part 2 in tinier letters. Well, well it's the second it's, part of the first blood. Second blood? Yeah, no, that wouldn't work. Well, it's either. weird because it's like this took place, what, uh, three, four years after the Rambo First Blood or First Blood Part 1? You know, I don't think it says how long, but he's in a prison at the start of this one. So a few years, I would think. Well, it's like, at the end of the other one, he's like, we're going to send you back, right? No, at the end of the first one, he gets talked down, and he, uh, you know, gets talked down from his sort of breakdown by Colonel Troutman, and he's, uh, you know, walked off to the police. He's walked no, off but to he go says, doesn't he, doesn't he actually say, we're sending you back, or whatever? Because he's like, I don't belong in this world. I don't get it. And he's like, well, we're going to send you back to a world you do understand. That will be... You know, no, he doesn't, he? Oh, I don't recall the exact line of dialogue. Why? I don't know if that's just in my head, because I can only yeah, remember how saying, Troutman saying, we're sending you back. So that's why this, like, I in my head, that seems like it was what was it was. So I don't understand why he's in prison. Because I thought they were going to put well, him he, on, he like... Maimed a lot of, he maimed a lot of people. He blew up a lot of property in the city. Oh, it's the government. If you have a killing machine... You, you don't you don't take it off the market. You, you put it to where it can kill some more. Well, I mean, the Just whole, not the whole concept people. of um, we covered this a little bit earlier, but the whole concept of Rambo: First Blood Part Two is that Rambo is hired to only take photographs of American yeah. POWs still in Nam. And it's believed there are still POWs in Vietnam. Um, I actually saw a really interesting documentary where they were going around old Vietnam trying to find the graves of soldiers who never made it back. Because those, like, there weren't markers, and the markers were destroyed in battles and, or removed by the enemy. So they actually were trying to find, with uh, doing uh, DNA samples, huh. to see if they could find out who the people were. Um, do you think there you still could... Relatives. Are there any still in Vietnam, or do they know that? Or it, You know what? They fly that black flag... That black flag became came from Vietnam. If, if I'm not, if I'm not correct, please correct me, uh, listeners. But there's a black flag that's a POW MIA. Right. Yeah. Flag the guy and there's like barbed wire. Yep. And that still they still believe that there are vets from Vietnam that are still being held by Vietnamese uh, in prison and in. Uh, I know, mom. No, I know this. That's why I'm talking to. Oh, God. Please edit that out. Um, uh, yes, the, uh, the the POW MIA flag was created in 1971. That's the idea that there are still people over there. I mean, they, they remember those who never made it back, whether those people are still alive or dead. We don't know. Hmm. I mean, that's weird, because there was that, wasn't there that, there was that uh, a Japanese soldier who went into the woods, and he wouldn't believe that the war was over. For oh, who's, like, on the, who's on the island in the South Pacific, yeah. I believe. In World War II, yeah. That's possible that that's happening somewhere in Vietnam. It's a horrible thought to think about, because sure. it probably isn't true, but you never know. So in uh, Rambo First Blood Part Two, Rambo lands in Vietnam without a lot of his equipment because of a mishap when he jumps out of the helicopter, and he meets a native girl called uh, 
Cobal, and I was uh, mentioning to Thrasher earlier that the actress is half uh, white, half Chinese, but she looks a lot more white. You know, she doesn't look very Vietnamese at all, very Asian, really, even though she is half Chinese. Do you have any thoughts on that? I thought, well, she definitely does look Americanized, but I guess with the makeup and everything, she looked all right. I, I don't have a good grasp, even though I'm... For whatever reason, when I was growing up, all my friends were Asian, but I could never tell where in Asia they were from. Well, no, I I, I can't tell that specifically either. Yeah, I, I I wish I had that ability. That'd be very interesting to be able to like just look at a person like, oh, you're from Sixth Street in Cambodia. And uh, you might recognize Julia Nixon from she's been on Babylon Five, Star Trek uh, Next Generation, and Star Trek Deep Space Nine. For a few episodes. And Sequest... She was on uh, all the big space station shows. Yeah, also Sequest 2032, which I guess that was just the last season of Sequest. Wow. <laughs> and, yeah. That show is only on for three seasons. Uh, but, like, her character, I guess she's native and she wants to go to America. She wants to escape Vietnam herself. So she starts helping him. Yeah, I mean, um, she's, a, she's an agent he's supposed to meet as part of the mission to show him exactly where in Vietnam this, uh, this camp is that's supposed to have POWs. Now, my question is, in the 80s, I don't know if this is maybe hearkening back to still a lot of the feelings that we held for Vietnam and such, and the idea, yeah, there might be people who are still left behind. But, like, there wasn't anything big. Was there anything big happening in the 80s with, um, I guess, Vietnam at the time? We still had the Soviets to worry about, right? I think it was all the Iran-Contra at the time. Yeah, so all of our all of our anger was uh, should have been uh, directed at the uh, the uh, uh, the Middle East, correct? And the Soviets. Well, you we also have Soviets as bad guys in this movie later on. Well, because they're aiding the Vietnamese in this. Yeah. But I'm trying to remember because I'm again, I wasn't alive. I wasn't aware. I was sure. alive. I was aware well, I mean, of. A big thing about this movie is there's a line of dialogue in the beginning where Troutman is talking to Rambo and about the mission, and Rambo looks at him and says, do we get to win this time? Oh. And that's a very famous line from this movie. And Troutman says, that's up to you. So really, the results of the Vietnam War, 20 years after, are all on Rambo's head. <laughs> it's not 20 years their... after. Okay, not 20. Yeah. Okay, uh, what is it, 15... Something like that. But I mean, like, I, I don't... I mean, I think this movie, Rambo First Blood Part 2, I just love saying that title, probably was cathartic for a lot of people because Vietnam was a war that uh, the United States did not win. But here you get to see an American going to Vietnam and killing a lot of Vietnamese and uh, Russian soldiers and seeing an American win in a place where the whole country lost... Uh, must have been some form of release, even though it's very fantastical. Well, you know, um, assuming the film took place in the year in which it was released, roughly ten years would have passed since the conclusion of uh, uh, the Vietnam War. There's an action scene where, uh, on the camp, Rambo sees one American POW, and of course, Rambo being Rambo, he's a Vietnam vet himself, he doesn't just take photos of him, he rescues him. But they are attacked by a uh, a gunboat, and there was a big action scene. It would just occur to me: this means Rambo at this point in the film, when Rambo's going to stage this rescue, he's now only armed with a bow and arrow, a knife, and a camera. He's uh, he's not armed 
by that much, but he manages to, uh, I think he cuts himself free with the knife and then stabs some people, grabs a gun, and starts shooting. And the entire gunboat is destroyed with a uh, rocket-propelled grenade. So I think I think my question is, like, yeah, Rambo's definitely, he's like, he's a master of traps and killing people and blowing shit up. Really, he's not the most stealthy. No, but the First Blood is a lot more low-key in comparison to Rambo First Blood Part 2. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's an RPG. He destroys the gunboat with an RPG. This part of the movie is... You know, not that much of the movie has gone by yet. He rescues a POW. Kobao is... Yeah, he's already done his kick-ass part. Yeah, it's still with him. And he runs out and, uh, you know, to where the... I could be remembering this out of order, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't he run out to where the helicopter comes? And Troutman's in the helicopter? No. Oh, no, no. that's later. Yeah, that's that's later because when he's on the gunboat, he calls to be, like, rescued or whatever. He he calls for them to come pick his ass up. But Murdoch says no. Um, uh, what, uh, he, why does he tell him no? I got kind of confused in the movie about that part. But it's almost like... It's like he did it, it was secretive, but it's like, okay, we don't want anybody to know you're going in so we can disavow if you're captured. But he's not captured. Well, I think it's meant... I think Rambo was meant to be put on the mission to die. No. Well, well that's... So? That's what the camera, that's what the poster the camera, says. The cameras the poster, are expensive. That's what the poster said. Though the poster says they sent him on a mission and set him up to fail, but they made one mistake. They forgot they were dealing with Rambo. It's a fantastic poster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, a great, that's a great read of it too. It is, yeah. Uh, but that's just the 1980s action trailer voice. But anyway, so because Rambo, they're not saved, they're recaptured. Yeah, they're recaptured, and he learns that the Soviets are helping the Vietnamese, and the head Soviet officer, Lernik Colonel Podovsky, is played by Stephen Burkhoff. And I saw that, and I'm like, man, that guy's familiar. And I looked it up. Stephen yeah. Burkhoff is the main bad guy from Beverly Hills Cop 1. We have our connection. I figure out where he was from. I just said where he is from. He was in... No, I know, but I'm like, I, I, I thought of it. I couldn't remember. And he's also an octopusy. Yes, General Orlov. Oh, nice. He's been bad guys he, in a lot of movies. A henchman is kind of a douche. Um, he's got he's got his people, but he, they they torture him, um, which again is like they seeing Rambo him. degraded, I guess, like that. Like in each thing, he's like beaten up, and everything's a reminder of the like the first time he was captured. So he should have gone like he should have gone Rambo on their asses, um, which he does later. But I, I keep thinking, like, if he wasn't, I keep, I keep thinking he should have done her, um, um, a Samson and, like, broken the yoke and all that stuff and just, like, Rah! like a Hulk moment. But it didn't happen. <laughs> well, the thing is, the Russians want him to uh, speak on the radio and, you know, admit that he's been captured by the, by the Russians and to tell America not to send soldiers out to Vietnam again and all these things. And he just doesn't want to speak. He doesn't want to say it. But eventually, when he's tortured enough, they give him an opportunity to talk on the microphone. And he tells uh, Murdoch, the man that sends him on the mission in the first place, that I'm yeah, coming to get. Me. I'm coming to get you, Murdoch. And then he starts, you know, going Rambo. And we really don't like what a common what a common name like Murdoch is. 
feel like anybody in the intelligence services that, that heard that tape would be freaking the hell out. Was it Murdoch, the name of a character from the A-Team? Yes, uh, Howlin' Mad Murdoch. Yep. I don't think that is. a crazy one. I just think Murdoch is, yeah, it's a popular name. Matt Murdoch, uh, who is Daredevil. Oh, very good, yeah. Um, and also, what has Charles Napier been in? We, we discussed that, the critic, uh, Star Trek, Silence oh, of the sorry. Lambs. Oh, yeah, go right ahead then. I'm, I'm late to the party. It's okay. But he, but he's, um, he's very good in this, even though, you know, there's not... He's a very slimy sort of, uh... Not, I don't know, he's not politician. I mean, he's a... He's a slimy, like, office army guy, where he's not on the field actually fighting people. But he's sort of making these broad-stroke decisions, and, uh... Colonel... Again, it's also... I think that's also a reflection of how the soldiers felt uh, as well when, um... When they were on the front lines. Yeah, they would get their right. orders... Uh, from up high, from people who were completely safe, who weren't in the shit with them, and the idea is like, yeah, these these generals from like West Point are are planning when they themselves don't know what they're dealing with in the jungle. No, I mean, no. if they had the if they had the information, if they actually had the uh, um, all the um, situa- if they knew all the situations and stuff. Then they could have sent their own people in, but they're sending Rambo, not knowing what he's going to be coming up against. They didn't probably know that the Russians were there, right? I mean, I'm sure that connection was uh, done on purpose. Um, and of course, in the '80s, it was great having Russian uh, Russian foes. Um, I'll go again to Rocky Four uh, yep. with the Russian. Yep. Why not? <laughs> Rocky Four is the and, one. Yeah, with... He fights a lot. Wow! I just thought about that. Um, he's fought a lot of Russians. He fights the Russians again in uh, Rambo 3, as we'll find out next episode. And also, technically, he fights a Russian in, um, uh, uh The Expendables. Oh, does he? I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's he's funny. It's actually the same Russian from Rocky IV. Um, and, and, uh, <laughs> and what the hell? What the hell? Wesley Snipes was also Russian in Demolition Man. Part Russian. Yeah, let's go ahead. Yeah, let's, let's say that. Wow. Um, but also, like, okay, going back to Kobo, no, Kobao, <laughs> yeah, I Co- Coco, um, uh, back to uh, Julia Nixon. She's the she's the sex symbol in this movie. In First Blood, you didn't have a woman for Rambo to, to an extent, but I mean, it's for, there's not a sex scene. I mean, there's a scene where they kiss. Yeah. And that's that's a lot for Mr. Rambo. Um, but I mean, because she like she's taking care of his wounds, she's yeah. showing him tenderness, um, they, they kiss, and then, but then they're attacked again, and she's, yeah, she's killed. So yeah. she, she doesn't, she doesn't make it to the United States. We're gonna ruin that for you. There's she a funny, make... there's a funny uh, story about that. Oh, God. So, um, uh, in the scene where Kobao is killed, I, uh, I was watching a documentary about this, uh, First Blood Part, Rambo First Blood Part 2. I'm never gonna <laughs> get that title right. It's a mouthful. Write that down right now. Like Rambo's RPG. Yeah, say it three times fast. Rambo First Blood Part 2. Rambo First Blood Part 2. Rambo First Blood Part 2. Okay. You win a Cupid doll. With that scene, originally after Kobao is killed, there is, you know, a wide shot of Rambo crying and screaming, and then it goes into an even wider shot of him screaming like, no, and then even like, a wider <laughs> shot. And, uh, when they showed this to... It's an interview with the two editors of the film. 
the, the main <laughs> editors, Mark Goldblatt and Mark uh, Helfrich, I believe. But uh, they said they showed this to test audiences, and test audiences started laughing. Yeah. <laughs> and so they knew immediately, well, we got to take that out. They didn't have to talk to Stallone about that one. Well, these, in, in a few years, though, The Simpsons would turn that into, a, into an actual intentional joke. With what episode? Uh, you know, uh, whichever one I'm thinking of, where there's just an infinite series of pullbacks followed by, no! So, I mean, in the movie, I think it's just played with him crying, holding her dead body, and now Rambo's really pissed. He's already killed a bunch of, uh, you know, some Russians and Vietnamese, but now he's really going to kill a lot. Uh, Jason, I was wondering, you know, watching this movie after just seeing First Blood... Can you think in some way how this Rambo almost seems like a completely different character with how violent he is and how much he kills people and stuff? Well, to- he's less... I think he's he's more like a hunted creature fighting back, like put into the a corner. Yeah. Whereas in this one, he seems to have a little more control. He's definitely a soldier, but he's he's not suffering the, the fear that I think he's, that you feel in the movie. He's definitely more of, yeah, he wants to get out of there, but he's definitely more of the uh, aggressor um, than having the, uh, than just the Vietnamese, uh, especially after Ko's death. Uh, oh, again, and then you have a very famous scene where Rambo is attaching uh, these explosive things to his arrows, and he shoots one of them at, an indi- at the individual that killed Kobal, <laughs> and he explodes, and <laughs> it's... Uh, uh, very gratuitous. It's not a bloody explosion, I'll give it that, by today's standards. See, that's another thing, is, like, some of the ways in this movie that the, the bad guys are dealt with, like an exploding guy, um, you didn't see, you saw more, like, punji sticks, and you saw kind of almost the Vietnamese way of fighting, the guerrilla tactics that you saw uh, the Vietnamese using, instead of the disciplined, I guess the disciplined firing lines of the Americans. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do is if we talk a little bit about the, uh, the Revolutionary War, uh, we were technically guerrilla terrorists because we decided we weren't going to wear a garish color and, and shoot on a line. And we kind of went back to that in, in Vietnam. We were doing the war the way that we were trained. Why do we say we? I wasn't there. But America was fighting a war the way they knew how to fight a war, whereas the Vietnamese were defending their land any way they could. And I think he was defending himself in the first movie any way he could, definitely setting traps and stuff. Whereas in this one, he's, I think, trying to do as much damage, (laughs) if not more, to maybe distract them from his uh, fleeing. But at the same time, it seems like he actually wants to go after these people, not so much escape. Especially after Ko's death. And I mean, even that... though there are scenes of, like, Rambo being tortured and stuff, in, in this film he still seems more of, like, a Superman yeah. sort of character and how much he'll just shoot at these people while he's being shot at. Yeah, he's he can, less he can fragile. outrun bullets. Certainly, less fragile. That's a very good way to put it. But if you thought shooting an explosive arrow into a man uh, wasn't ridiculous enough, later in the movie he uh, takes a helicopter... And starts attacking the uh, oh. the base. Yeah. <laughs> and not only that, you have a scene of a helicopter fighting another helicopter nose to nose. It's actually it is a 
UH-1N Twin Huey helicopter. Um, it's actually it's a Soviet helicopter. And Rambo's uh, in one helicopter, and um, the uh, Lieutenant Colonel Podovsky is in the other helicopter. And it's very much like a Western. They're facing off. Actually, it says here um, it's a modern military helicopter that first flew in April 1969. Wow. The U.S. military came very close to not procuring this one, Huey. The purchase of the aircraft for U.S. military use was opposed by the chairman of the House Armed Service Committee at the time. So if it weren't for, uh, if, it, if, if L. Mendel Rivers had had his way, uh, Rambo would not have been flying a twin Huey in this movie. And it should be noted the movie was not filmed in Vietnam. It was filmed in uh, Mexico. What? Yep. Well, I can't believe anything I see on screen now. Oh, see, I thought they were actually trying to really, like, I thought they were going to actually rescue some real POWs. Damn. <laughs> but, he, but he does, actually. Well, he rescues, he rescues the POWs who were actors playing POWs. Sure, he rescues, you know, more than just the one he found at the beginning. And, I mean, the, why don't we talk about the helicopter shootout? Does that strike you as a especially cartoonish scene? <sighs> Not as, like, yes, but then he lands and arms himself with the, the machine gun. I mean, both of those, both of those scenes. So, like, okay, him, the guard tower on his left or whatever, and the machine gun, that's more cartoonish to me. It's the idea that all these people, like you said, are firing at him, and he's not. He's he's hitting them, and they're not hitting him. Um, there's the yeah. There's the mill, the gunships. They're both damaged, but I guess Podowski is what he dies. Well, they're ready to fire at each other, and then all of a sudden, Rambo whips out a rocket launcher and shoots it <laughs> right. At uh, Podovsky's helicopter. Yeah, I mean, he does kill him. So he doesn't actually kill him with the thing, but he... um... He he very well could have. I mean, they're literally nose-to-nose. It's. I mean, (laughs) you have some really cool scenes of the helicopter with, like, the sun setting in the background and and things. Yeah, if that was done, it's not like a joust. It's very much like a stupid joust where (laughs) they should have hit each other and fucking splintered into so many pieces. Well, we like... if the helicopter's that close, shouldn't their rot- shouldn't the rotary blades be whacking no, into each other? They're actually they're they're a few inches away from each other, so um, yeah. But, but the blades away, extend so for farther than the, the hull of the helicopter. You know, they're far away just so that doesn't happen. But I mean, they're they're pretty close. One of them could inch the helicopter like an inch forward and start chopping <laughs> up the other blade, right? <laughs> oh dear. I don't know, I guess it's, it, it's, a lot of it's cartoon, a lot of the violence in this is so over the top. But I mean, one thing we did not mention earlier that happened that's important as for why Rambo says on the intercom to Murdoch, I'm coming to get you, is at one point Troutman and uh, the troops are ready to get Rambo, and they say, oh, he's got a POW with him, he's got one of our boys, and Murdoch says, don't rescue Rambo, he disobeyed his orders in the mission, he rescued someone. <laughs> and Troutman can't do anything because uh, Murdoch's men draws a gun on him, and Troutman is pretty much helpless. Well, I mean, he does get to, again. He gets to he gets to shout a whole bunch of of stuff that we can barely understand. But he gets to shout all the things that a lot of the soldiers wanted to shout themselves at the end of the film. <laughs> right when he comes back to the confronts Murdoch, confronts Murdoch, and says like. 
uh, uh, that he wants his country, uh, like, I want them to love me as much as the soldiers love Because, like, he's yeah. going, he, he, the soldiers that went, the soldiers who still go to war for us, they love our country. We should love the soldiers just as much. I think one of the things we talked about um, on the last episode um, with the author is how much it's changed from the soldiers being blamed for the wars where with like uh, the Iraq war, we're blaming our government and loving our soldiers because again, they're doing so much for us. We don't want them to do it, but they're willing to do it because they love this country so much. I think that's, I think that's very powerful. And, And that's very powerful in this because you have to see, you see the evolution of how we feel about our own, our own fighters. Sure, um, and I mean, the spot in this movie where Rambo sort of gives that speech is kind of similar towards the end of First Blood where Rambo is broken down and gives a speech about how his friend got blown up in Vietnam by a, you know, by an explosive. By an exploding thing. By a boy who was shining shoes that really had a bomb on him that exploded his friend. Um, but I mean, it's, a, it's similar sentiments in that you should respect the soldiers, and it's a, it's a good speech. I think uh, understanding Sylvester Stallone can be a difficult task when he speaks sometimes. And, uh, you know, like in the first film, he wasn't, um, you know, Rambo doesn't have that much dialogue. And in the original version of the script by James Cameron, there is meant to, Rambo was meant to have a sidekick the entire movie who would have oh, been, no. been played by John Travolta. And uh, Stallone said, absolutely not. So Thank goodness. So that didn't happen. I think part of, Rambo's appeal, at least in these first two movies, First Blood and Rambo, First Blood Part Two, is that he is, you know, a man by himself. He has Colonel Troutman, but he's a man by himself getting things uh, getting things done. He doesn't have anyone helping him. It's, you know, one man versus a lot of cops in the first film or special forces, and one man versus uh, an entire Vietnamese and Russian army in the second Mm. Intense. Did you think the confrontation with uh, Trout with um not Troutman, sorry, with Murdoch, Murdoch. was effective uh, at the end? With the knife. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't stab him, but he puts it right next to him. And so you're I, gonna I, go I, back and free all those. You're gonna go back to Viet. You're gonna send more people back to Vietnam and free all those POWs till we get them all home. That was almost like a 1950 radical that you're gonna go back to that jungle, see, and you're gonna find those POWs. You're gonna bring them back home. Well, that's what Rambo says to him. Basically. Yeah, but in, in a. I'm, well, I'm, no, I'm he does. He basically just say that he, and then of course Troutman, Troutman gets Rambo off and pacifies him. Um, but it, it is, I guess, yeah, it's definitely a fuck you to the brass. Yep. It's like, why didn't you guys do this? You lost, and you left your boys there. We fled. We fled from Vietnam. And we didn't count our numbers. We didn't count our dead. We didn't count that made sure that everybody was there. And then basically the border was closed off because we went, we went in there. I mean, we had just fin- we had not even finished the war. We didn't finish it. It finished us. Wow. Again, I wasn't there. Well, that doesn't mean you can't feel strongly about it. Sure. I feel very strongly about this because it's just... <sighs> One thing I do not feel strongly about is uh, the end of the movie has a real cheesy line of dialogue. Troutman oh. walking off, and Troutman goes, how will you live, John? And Rambo says... Day by day. Day by day. And as he walks off, much like in the first film, there's a cheesy uh, song with lyrics. This one is called uh, Peace in Our Peace. Life. Peace in Our Life. Performed by Frank Stallone. <laughs> and he was a co-writer. Nepotism. 
a co-writer on the song as well. And I mean, the, uh, for, Rambo First Blood Part Two is a very violent movie. It may not be very bloody, but I mean, a lot of people are killed and stuff. And yet the song, the lyrics are, peace in our life, remember the cause. You know what they should have played? They should have played uh, Good Night Saigon uh, by Billy Joel. That Ooh, song. That's a great song. That's how, you, that's how we have to end the episode. Okay. Let's look up the lyrics. Let's look up the lyrics. Well, we'll end, but yeah, but then we'll end the, the podcast with a lawsuit from from whoever owns the rights to Billy Joel's music. Oh, damn! That's actually a good point. But Good Night Saigon, I think you know, it's a very good song. I'm not sure when that came out. That might have been after '85. I'm not that up in my Billy Joel, but uh, I like that song. It has a lot of you know emotion and sentiment to it. But I mean, just having a very sentimental. Song performed by Frank Stallone at the end of this big action picture again does not work. I feel. Uh, I think they should have had Frank Stallone should have actually been the partner. Um, that would have been really cool. <laughs> uh, Frank Stallone <laughs> has appeared in other you know Stallone movies, including Rocky and uh, a movie Stallone directed but not starred, Staying Alive, which is the sequel to Saturday Night Fever. You know they should do a a, a, a buddy picture. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, Frank Stallone's had a successful music career for a long time. Yeah. And well, he's, he's also movies, too. Yeah. Who did, did, uh, did Stallone do, like, all of his, um, did he do all of his stunts in this movie? And how many stunts did he do in the other? You know, I believe Stallone did a lot of his stunts in both. I don't know that for sure. If I were to guess, I would say he might have done more of his stunts in First Blood than in this one, but... The scene where he's being tortured, he's lowered into this pit of mud and excrement and stuff. That was something Stallone did by himself. I mean, he, he enjoys doing stunts in a lot of his films. I can't say for sure whether he did all of them or not, but... Well, to, to be fair, I really don't think Judge Dredd was that bad. What does that have to do with anything? Being lowered... <laughs> You're saying he was lowered in, lowered into a, a, a pit of, of mud and excrement? Oh, and... Okay. <laughs> Judge Dredd was metaphorically. Judge Dredd was when his career was dipped into a pit of mud, and uh, that could have been a good movie. They kind of, yeah. I still say he was the best thing in that movie. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. That and that robot. Every other performance of that was completely hammed up. He was the only one who was believable. Him and the mutants. <laughs> I got one, Dad. Richard Moore. <laughs> <laughs> so my battery's about to run out on my laptop. I'm having to record this in my bedroom because I'm doing laundry, which is in the computer room. Saucy. Yeah. So um, let's wrap up our thoughts on uh, Rambo. He met as soulmates on Paris Island. We left as inmates <laughs> from an asylum. And we wash up. As sharp as knife and knife knives. Okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. Let's, let's, uh, thoughts? Okay, that's great. <laughs> Who can think after that? Yeah, I'm just silenced. Rainbow First Blood Part 2, I, I think it's pretty enjoyable as a as an action picture. I think the plot is kind of muddled. It could have been, you have Murdoch kind of, you know, betraying him by not picking him up when he rescues POWs, but the whole reason why he's sent there in the first place is kind of weird. I think if it would have had, I don't know, something easier to follow, maybe, or a more impactful or a plot. What? If you had a team, 
and the team was slowly whittled off. You think a team would have helped where everyone gets picked off except for Rambo, and then he... Yeah, I think that would have helped, because that's, that's not what happens in the, the further down the lane, but I think that could have made a really cool episode. Hmm. Well, I mean, uh, Rambo not... does have a team in the, the fourth one, but we'll talk about that later, but... Uh... But I feel like, okay, did, uh, what was it? Uh, Hot Shots Part Dukes. Part Do, yeah, not Dukes. Part yep. Dukes. <laughs> okay. What about it? I think, I think if he had had a team, just a few more people, not just Kobo. Cowbo. Cowbo, yeah. So I, I did, I did like, I did like a performance, a little cheesy, the romance and stuff. Not something I really want to see Rambo do. It's not my favorite action movie. But it's it's still pretty cool. Some of the things he does do, they're goofy, but they're like kick ass. Yeah, I, I think it's fun. Uh, There's stuff I'd want to pull off in a game. Well, like this, this is I guess the the archetypal Rambo movie. When people talk about Rambo, this really is the movie they imagine. Yeah, Rambo slogging through the jungle, shooting people with explosive tipped bow bow and arrows. Well, explosive tip arrows. I would assume that the bow is an explosive tip. That would be suicide. Um, you know, it, it's it's what everyone thinks of. Rambo goes into a war zone shirtless, shoots a bunch of bad guys. There's some explosions, and then gets out and 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 yells at a commanding officer. Right. I mean, you know, it is a shame in uh, Rambo: First Blood Part Two that um, they don't give uh, Richard Crenna as a Colonel Troutman a lot to do. He seemed he had a bigger part in First Blood, and you know, they have the the big dialogue scene between him and Rambo in the first movie. And this one, he just sort of has to watch things from a distance. He's not in the thick of the action, but he is a much bigger part in Rambo 3, which we'll talk about next episode. Oh, yes. So, until next time, this is uh, Uncle Milkshake. Thrasher. And Jersey Jason. Saying, peace in our life, remember the cause. Let me look up the lyrics so I can do that again. The sequel cast airs Wednesdays, 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific Time on Cascadia.fm online, internet streaming radio. You can also download episodes of the sequel cast from www.sequelcast.com.